Good morning. How are you all doing? Good to see everybody. This morning we're uh, we're going to enter into worship together, but before we do so, I just want to invite the guests that are with us today to fill out the guest card that would be in front of you. Later on in the service, we're going to receive a tithe and offering, and as we do that, we just simply ask that you'd put that gift or that guest card into the uh, into the offering. We have a, a letter we'd like to send you this week, thanking you for being a part of our service. And at this time, I want to read from the Word of God. So as I do so, if you'd please stand with me. I'm going to read from John chapter 4. John chapter 4. It's this little story here. Jesus is at Jacob's well. And a Samaritan woman comes forward to draw from the well. And Jesus begins to talk to this woman. Jews and, and Samaritans, they did not talk, let alone a Jewish man and a Samaritan woman. And so Jesus begins to have dialogue, have conversation with this woman And it's powerful. In John chapter 4, verse 7, the Bible says, A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. And the woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And she said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And then Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, You would ask me, and I would give you living water. But, sir, you don't even have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. So we now know Jesus is talking about something a lot more significant than just water. He says, it becomes fresh, a bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Then the woman said, please, sir, give me this water. And then I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come here time and time again to get water. And then Jesus begins to reveal to her some things in her life that nobody really would know. And he says, go and get your husband. And she says, well, I don't have a husband. And then Jesus tells her, you're right, you don't have a husband. In fact, you've had five husbands, and you're not even married to the man that you're living with right now. You certainly have spoken the truth. And the woman was just caught off guard that Jesus knew what was going on in her life. And I just want to start with that by just saying, Jesus knows exactly what's going on in your life. Exactly what's going on in your life. She tried to change the subject after that. She didn't want to talk about that anymore. So she said, well, listen, you worship here and we worship here, trying to change the subject. And Jesus gives her this response. He says, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in the city of Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship. And while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, and indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. We are in that day today. And as we gather together, we gather together to worship Jesus Christ in spirit and in truth. So let's start our service with a word of prayer. Let's bow our heads right now. Father, we thank you for this morning. And Lord, just as as this amazing encounter between Jesus and this Samaritan woman. You knew this this woman's life, and you know every life 
that has walked through the doors today, the things they're walking through, the things they need help with, the things they need hope in, the things they need encouragement in. And Father, I pray that you would come and you would speak to every single heart. And I pray that our response would be to worship you in spirit and in truth. And we ask that you'd have every aspect of this service and guide us and lead us through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the Word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Folks, today I'm in a message here on the Holy Spirit. We started this last week, this series, Holy Spirit. Last week was a Holy Spirit 101, and this week is called Holy Spirit Flow. And so we're going to be in a number of different places as far as passages today, but if you want to start with me in John 16, that'll be one of my first places that I'm going to be. While you're turning there, I'll just take a moment to recap what we talked about last week. Last week we talked about the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of an unbeliever. They, they aren't yet at that place where they've followed Jesus. They made that decision. And so Jesus himself said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to convict you or the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And we talked about that word convict a lot of times when we see that, we go, he's going to condemn me of sin, righteousness, and judgment. It's not condemning. It's that he's going to convince you of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And that convincing of sin is that if you're not yet a believer in Jesus Christ, Jesus in that very passage says the world's sin is unbelief. They don't believe yet. And so the Holy Spirit will be convincing people to that place where they come to that faith in Jesus Christ. Now that they're a believer, now they're a follower in Jesus, the Holy Spirit convinces them of their righteousness and of the judgment over Satan. So righteousness is the Holy Spirit convinces us of our right standing with God the Father through our faith in Jesus Christ. And then he convinces us that all authority has been stripped away from Satan and we can now have victory over him. And his judgment has taken place, took place on the cross. And so the Holy Spirit convinces us sin, righteousness, and judgment. Then I also talked about something that I referred to as the baptism of, that is, the baptism that's performed by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, the Bible says that we were all baptized into one body by one Spirit. So by the Holy Spirit, we're baptized into Jesus. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's this miracle that takes place. And I talked last week about what the Holy Spirit is doing, and you can't fully explain it. It's like wind. We talked about that. But there's just an amazing, incredible encounter that God has with people when they give their life to Jesus. And then the last point I made, come back up to this fountain. Some of you were like, um, is that all you're going to do with that? The answer is no. So it's back out again this week, and I poured a bunch of Powerade. I said, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but one of power. So I filled this puppy up with Powerade. And I talked about how when we receive Christ in our life, we, we say, I want to live for Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes and, and lives in us. He sets up shop in us. And so we were empty, but now the Holy Spirit is living in us. Now I'll come back to this here in a second. But that's kind of where I want to start. So the Holy Spirit is living in us if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And where I want to start today is, is talking about the Holy Spirit. And a, a, a term that is used in the Greek is this word parakletos. 
How many of you have ever heard that word before? Parakletos. Well, for those that did not raise their hand, I hope that that's something brand new. And basically what that means is one who comes alongside to help. Parakletos. So when the Bible maybe translates that word and gives the Holy Spirit a title, depending on what translation you have, he might be called helper. He might be called encourager. Or he might also be called counselor or comforter. Or another one I really love is advocate. So one who advocates for us. And I, I want to just start with that this morning is the Holy Spirit, our advocate. And I just want you to understand this mental picture here of what is taking place when the Holy Spirit is at work in the life of a believer. John 16 Jesus is speaking about the Holy Spirit, and in verse 13 he says, When the Spirit of truth comes, so when the Holy Spirit comes, He will guide you into all truth. And He will not speak on His own, but He will tell you what He has heard. So He's listening to, to what's being said from the throne. Now think about that for a second. Get that mental picture here. He will tell you about the future. And he will bring me glory. This is Jesus speaking. So Jesus is saying, he'll bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. That particular statement right there from Jesus tells me this. God speaks. God speaks. God still speaks today. Some people think he doesn't. But I'm telling you, God speaks today. Think about what Jesus just said. He will glorify me by telling you whatever he hears from me. So think about that. He's like bringing that message down from the throne. Now, I want to be very clear about something. God always speaks through his word. That's why we call it God's word, the Bible. Okay? And some people might say, well, God told me, fill in the blank, and then it doesn't line up with God's word. And then you know what you can say? No, God didn't tell you that because it doesn't line up with his word. Okay, but I want to just be very clear. God still speaks today. He speaks through his word every time. This is inspired by God, but he also speaks today. He speaks to us. This is also going back up to the throne, though. So the Holy Spirit speaks to us, but he's also speaking to God. In Romans chapter 8... Paul tells us a little bit of this picture. In verse 26, he says, The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will, or he intercedes on our behalf. Now, just that mental picture that I was saying, the Holy Spirit, he's like the go-between or the in-between. He can speak whatever God might want us to know, and he also speaks back in helping pray out God's desires, God's plans, God's will for our life. Powerful. If you think about it, the Holy Spirit is interceding for you. Have you ever thought about that? He's interceding for you personally if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, because there's so many voices in our culture, because there's so many things that can move us from God's will and God's desires and the things that he has for each of us, 
it's so important that you and I be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of things in our culture that we can fill ourselves with. But God's saying, you need to, you need to fill yourself with me because that's what's going to help you walk in my plans and my desires for your life. So in Ephesians 5, that's where we're going next here. Ephesians 5, verse 18. I'm going to just read this passage to you and I'm going to break it down. Paul says in Ephesians 5, 18, Don't be drunk with wine or alcohol because that will ruin your life. It will lead to destruction. Drunkenness will lead to destruction, lead to bad decisions. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when Paul says be filled, that is a continual thing. It's not a one-time, go get filled with the Spirit. He's saying continually be filled with the Spirit. Now let me just kind of break this down for you regarding what Paul's trying to say here. When one person is drunk, the effects of alcohol influences that person's words. It can influence that person's actions, their thoughts, their behavior. And so what Paul is trying to say here is that we, as followers of Christ, should allow the Holy Spirit to influence our life in such a way that our words begin to change and our actions begin to change and our thoughts and our behavior begin to change because we're filled with the Spirit. We're living as the Spirit would lead us. And so as we do this, we're being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm, I'm going to go back to the fountain here. And uh, I'm going to just kind of talk through the, the, the statement there of flow. All right, Holy Spirit flow. I'm going to break that down into four words and talk about the Spirit's flow in our life. The first thing is we know the Holy Spirit lives inside of us the day we say, I want to follow Jesus. So the first the first point is you've you got to be a follower of Jesus. If you want the Holy Spirit at work in your life, you've got to be a follower of Jesus. You've got to get saved. And by that I mean you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Savior of the sin that's in your life. Okay, You become a follower of Jesus. The second thing is, is once you make that decision, is then you say, now I want to learn. I want to learn more about God. I want to learn more about what He wants for my life, I'm going to get into his word and find out what it is that he wants me to do and how he wants me to live. Some people live in just this cyclical life of sin because they don't know what God's word says about some of those things. So if we give our life to God, the next step is I'm going to get in my word and find out how God wants me to live. So we learn. We get into God's word. We learn. We go to church. We get plugged into things that we can grow in our faith. Okay? The next thing, the next step from that is as we learn, then there'll come a point where you have to start applying what you're learning. We call that obedience. Okay? You obey what you learn. And that's huge because a lot of people, they'll study, they'll look at God's Word, they'll fill their head with all of this stuff about God, but it's not truly sinking in. They're not applying it. So obedience is huge. Obedience is huge. As we obey, we actually submit and we yield ourselves to God. And sometimes people look at, at the Bible and we say, this is just a big rule book and God's a fun hater and he doesn't want me to have fun. How many of you ever heard people talk like that, you know, right? And here's the thing is sometimes we've got to stop thinking that way 
And that it's not so much that here's God just setting up a bunch of rules that I have to follow. What it is, is it's God setting up a purpose for your life. And if you just do what the Word's asking you to do, God begins to move in your life. It's so much more than just toe the line. It's I'm seeking after God and, and his, his ways are starting to encounter my ways and I'm experiencing Him. Okay, then the last thing is worship. So we are followers of Christ. We learn. We get into the Word. We apply it. We obey God's Word. And then the last thing is worship. Romans 12.1 says that we're to offer our body, so offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to God. Holy, which means set apart. So we set our lives apart to live for God. Holy and pleasing to God. And then the Bible says that is your spiritual act of worship. Sometimes people think they come into church and we play some music and we go, we just worshiped. And yes, we did, but worship goes so much deeper than singing a song. True worship is offering yourself to God and saying, God, whatever you want to do in my life, let's do it. I'm willing to, to do what you want me to do. I'm willing to go where you want me to go. I'm willing to talk to whoever you want me to talk to. I'm willing to do this. I'm offering myself. And so when these things are happening in somebody's life, I believe that could be like an activation switch, if you will. Where now I think that the Holy Spirit, as He's living in you, now that flow is taking place in your life. Jesus Himself said that if anybody believes in Me, rivers of living water will flow from that person's heart. And when he said living water, he was referring to the Holy Spirit who'd be given to people who put their faith and trust in Jesus. So we follow him, we make that decision, we learn, we start to obey, and we start to offer ourselves. And now the Holy Spirit begins to really flow in our life. And we're drawn to that. See, this was just kind of a boring fountain up here, but now you guys are like, ooh, I can see it in your eyes. Ooh, I'm drawn to that. And that's what's neat about this. If you're living a life filled with the Spirit, you know, people aren't drawn to you. They're drawn to God. And they look at you and they go, something's different about this person. And they're drawn to that. And they might start asking them questions because they can see something's real in that person's life because they're filled with the Spirit. They're living for God. They're completely surrendered. And the flow, the flow that Jesus spoke of is at work in their life. You know, on top of that, as that flow is taking place, you ever heard of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians? As people are living this way, all of a sudden God begins to develop them. And now there's somebody, maybe they're a little more patient. You ever known somebody that would get angry real quick, but then once they really surrendered their life to God, they just seemed like, changed person they were more patient or maybe another fruit of the spirit is self-control and now the spirit at work in that person's life they have the ability to say no when they need to say no maybe they're a person that now they have a a joy that God has given them that's one of the fruit of the spirit joy sometimes people call them fruits of the spirit because they're like mm, I like that one I like that one Ooh, but patience that's not my fruit the fruit, it's all together. You don't get one or, you know, two. You get the whole thing when the Holy Spirit's at work in your life. 
okay? Fruit, it all comes. And that's in Galatians 5 if you want to see what that fruit looks like. That begins to happen in somebody's life. The other thing is the Holy Spirit can come and start giving people gifts. And you think, well, like really shiny jewelry and stuff like No, like gifts like he gives you abilities and talents and, the, and these, are, these are to be uh, used for God's kingdom. And he begins to give gifts to people so that they can serve him. And how many of you ever seen like infomercials when they're, when they're telling you about something that's incredible that you need to have? And it's like for seven easy payments of 50 bucks a piece. I mean, it's like, wow, wow that just really uh, ended my joy that I was watching this. But here's the thing. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, there's more. There's more. God doesn't run out. And he's like, well, that's it. So I guess that's... I ran out, sorry. It's like the, I'm here to tell you today, there's more. God wants to give you more. And so last week, I spoke of what's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That is a baptism that is performed by the Holy Spirit. Okay. Today I want to talk with you of something that's called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. This is a baptism that is performed by Jesus. Jesus is the baptizer. And I'm going to just show you from Scripture the truth of this. Because there's sometimes there's controversy over, well, this other baptism people talk, are you baptized in the Holy Spirit? That's what I'm about to break down and talking with you about how God, He gives more and He gives more. Okay? And this baptism by Jesus, I want to highlight something in all four Gospels. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all four of those gospel writers, they've had moments where they've all shared about the same thing. It's not very often, but you can go through all four gospels and find some things where they're sharing the same story from their point of view, okay? One of which would be like Jesus' death. All four gospel writers talk about Jesus' death. Another thing, all four gospel writers talk about Jesus' resurrection, What's interesting is there's not a whole lot, though, that all four do talk about. One thing that all four do have is calling Jesus a baptizer. And in the midst of that, where it all comes from, the context is there's a man named John the Baptist, and he was baptizing people in water. It was a baptism of repentance. And he was, he was saying, hey, get your life right with God because the kingdom of heaven is near. Prepare yourself. And then he says, for the one coming after me, whose sandals I'm not even fit or worthy to untie, he said, that man will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. John even said, I baptize with water, but he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. You can find that in Mark 1, John 1, Luke 3, and Matthew 3. I encourage you, if you're like, you know, I don't know about that, what that all means, I just encourage you, take these passages with you today and get into the Word and ask God to just reveal this to you. And I'd be happy to talk with you as there's, as there's things that might come up here along the way. You're like, I don't know. I don't know if I've heard that before. I, I just encourage you, talk with me. Talk with Pastor Niles. Talk with our elders. And we just walk through the Scriptures together and look at this. Another situation is I want to look at when Jesus died and he rose again, he came to visit his disciples. He made an appearance to them. And in John 20, 22, this is what he says to his disciples. Receive the Holy Spirit. 
He breathed on his disciples, is what the Bible says, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. A lot of people think that's the moment that the disciples received salvation. That miracle work that I talked about last week, a lot of people think that moment right there was when they received their salvation. Later on, in Luke 24, verse 49, Jesus tells them this. Okay, remember he breathed on them, said, receive the Holy Spirit? Luke 24, 49, Jesus says, and now I will send the Holy Spirit. Oh, wait a second. Didn't he breathe on them and said, receive? Now he's talking about something else. He said, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Key in on that word promise. This is something that God has promised. Later on, if you know Luke and you know the book of Acts, the writer of Luke, any, any guesses on who wrote the book of Luke? Luke. Woo! Luke also wrote the book called Acts. And if you take the book of Acts and you take the book of Luke and you slam them together, it could literally be one book. Luke, right where he ends in the book of Luke, he picks up right after that in the book of Acts. So we just read something at the end of Luke. Go wait for this promise. Now he picks it up again in Acts 1, verses 4 through 5. It said, once when Jesus was eating with his disciples, he commanded them. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he promised, as I've told you before. So he, referring back, told you before. John baptized with water. Here's that difference. But in just a few days, you will be baptized with or in the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1, verse 8, Jesus said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Now, this baptism in the Holy Spirit is to empower believers for service, to serve the church, to serve each other as, as fellow believers, but even more importantly, to be a witness, to lead other people to Jesus Christ. Okay? It's not just to have an experience. It's to then empower people to serve. And this word power, the word there is dunamis. Dunamis, and, and as that's translated into Latin and then our English word, it's where we get our word for dynamite. So you'll receive that dynamic power, dynamite, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So Jesus kind of set them up, and now we enter into what's called Pentecost. How many of you know it's Pentecost Sunday today? Pentecost Sunday, we observe this New Testament encounter that we read about in Acts chapter 2. Let me quickly break down Pentecost. See, the Jews celebrated Pentecost, and it was a way for them to, to commemorate the day that God gave the law to all the Israelites on Mount Sinai. And it was 50 days after they had left or had gotten out of slavery in Egypt. So let me just break this down for you. That word Pentecost can be broken down into two words. Penta means five, like Pentagon. And then cost means to the 10th power. So five to the 10th power is 50. They're celebrating, they're celebrating something that happened 50 days after they had left Egypt. Now, here they are, the New Testament believers in Jesus Christ. They're all gathered together in Jerusalem. It's 50 days 
after Jesus rose from the dead, and they're all in an upper room, and the Holy Spirit is poured out over them. And we observe that Pentecost today as a church, looking at how God poured out His Spirit over followers of Jesus. Powerful. So in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1, the Bible says that on the day of Pentecost, so the Jewish Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, time out. These people were already believers in Jesus Christ. Why would, why would the Bible tell us that everybody who was present there was then filled with the Holy Spirit? Something was happening. There was a powerful encounter. And the Bible says they were filled with the Spirit. They began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And there's people outside the upper room, and some of them, they're like, what is going on? Are these guys drunk? And then Peter stands up and goes, no, it's morning. And then he begins to explain to them the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and how it was taking place right there in the upper room. And now we look at Pentecost as the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And Peter began to preach to them, telling them that they need to re repent of their sins and give their life to Christ and people were cut to the heart. And they wanted Jesus in their life. They wanted to become a follower of Jesus. And so they asked him, what must we do? You know, I mean, and Peter then replies in Acts 2, verse 38. He says, each of you must repent of your sin and turn to God. In other words, get saved. It's time for you to give your life to Jesus. Second, and then be baptized in the name of Jesus. So go get water baptized. And then on top of that, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The baptism in the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away. All who have been called by the Lord our God. Some people think that the experience and the things I'm talking about here today, some people think it was just for the early church. Just for the people in the book of Acts. But I read that verse and I think, am I someone that fits into the category of all who are called by the Lord our God? Are you in that category? Peter himself said this experience, the things that we're talking about, you can experience this today. You can experience this today. If you've been born again, the Holy Spirit baptized you into Jesus the moment you got saved. But then let me ask this question. Have you asked Jesus to baptize you in the Holy Spirit? From the books, Why God Used D.L. Moody and The God I Never Knew, they break down a little story, an encounter that Dwight L. Moody had with the Holy Spirit. He was a man that he didn't really believe this, and he thought he had all the Holy Spirit he was supposed to get and all of this stuff. I just want to share a little bit of his story with you. In Moody's autobiography, we learn that he had a transformative experience with the Holy Spirit years after he was saved and even years after he went into ministry. And in the late 1800s, Moody was the pastor of a church in Chicago which met in a rented room. And he thought he was doing pretty well in ministry, but eventually two 
elderly free Methodist women in his congregation began to pray for Moody to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, what I'm describing to you this morning. And when these prayer warriors told him what they'd been asking God to do in his life, he thanked them for their prayers, but then tactfully explained that he'd received all the Holy Spirit there was to get when he got saved. Now, according to Moody, as these women tenaciously continued to pray for him, he began to realize that he didn't have much in the way of supernatural power operating in his ministry, at least not the kind that he saw in the book of Acts. So he ultimately came to the conclusion that he indeed lacked another baptism, and he began praying for it. And he also, he asked the women if they would pray for him to receive an outpouring of God's power. And not long afterward, God answered the cry of Dwight L. Moody's heart. Moody had been invited to preach in England, and for a few days before his ship was going to depart, he was spending time in New York City, and one day as he was walking through this city, something remarkable happened. And as his friend R.A. Torrey described it years later, he was walking up Wall Street in New York, and in the midst of the bustle and the hurry of the city, his prayer was answered that day. The power of God fell upon him as he walked up the street so much that he had to hurry off to a house of a friend and ask that he might have a room to himself. And in that room he stayed alone for hours and the Holy Spirit came upon him, filling his soul with such joy that at last he had to ask God to withdraw his hand lest he die on the spot from that very joy. He was encountering God encountering the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He went out from that place with the power of the Holy Ghost upon him, and when he got to London, the power of God wrought through him mightily in North London, and hundreds were added to the churches. Moody later said that he was never the same after the day that he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he realized that almost everything he had accomplished in ministry prior to that moment had been done in the power of his own limited flesh. And his own strength. And afterward he saw tens and thousands saved in revivals and everywhere that he went. And some biographers say that the Holy Spirit empowered Moody so greatly that when he would just walk through factories, the workers would fall on their faces and get saved. He believed in Acts 1 that you shall receive power to be my witness. That's the biblical truth that transformed the life and the ministry of D.L. Moody. In your bulletins, I listed out other situations in the Bible that describes this experience. Acts 2, 8, 10, and I want to highlight 19. This is 25 years after Pentecost. And Paul, who wrote half the New Testament, who wrote, who wrote verses that talk about, and, and that Romans verse that I have in your bulletin, he wrote that when you give your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in you. Okay? Paul knows that the Holy Spirit comes to live in you when you get saved. Listen to what he says to these guys in Acts 19. It says, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. He found several people who had the Holy Spirit living in them because they chose to follow Jesus. Then Paul asked them this question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? 
Now, what kind of question is that? If he knows you get the Holy Spirit, you go, yeah. I mean, I received the Holy Spirit when I believed. He came to live in me. Well, then they go, well, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. They were so dumbfounded at that. And Paul then goes, then what baptism did you experience? Here he's calling it a baptism. He said, well, we experienced the baptism of John. And then Paul said, well, John, yeah, he, he called for that baptism. And he said, but John himself told people to believe in the one that would come later. And as soon as they heard this, they went and got water baptized in the name of Jesus. And then in verse 6, it says, the, Then Paul laid his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke in other tongues, and they prophesied. They then received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The power for service. The power to witness. You might sit here and go, well, Russ, that was then. No. What about now? I want to finish with this story. This Baptist pastor down in Titusville, Florida, his name's Dr. Peter Lord. Pastor there for 30 years at Park Avenue Baptist Church. He was doing a series on the Holy Spirit, and he was in his quiet time one day. And the Lord spoke to him in this quiet time and said, Peter, have you received the Holy Spirit? And he began to reason with God and said, well, of course, the Holy Spirit lives in me. I, he came to live in me when I got saved. The Bible tells me that. And as he was reasoning with the Lord, the Lord spoke back to him. And at that time, Peter Lord and his wife, his mother-in-law was going through a situation and she came to live with them and had been living with them for two or three months. And the Lord brought this question back to him. And he said, your mother-in-law lives in your house, but have you received her? And then he, he's like, well, actually, Lord, I don't think I probably have. And the Lord said back to him, and the Holy Spirit lives in your house, but you haven't fully received him. And so that's my question ending the message today is, have you fully received the Holy Spirit? Have you fully received Him? Have you asked for more? Talking about the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, anyone who asks, receives. Anyone who seeks, you'll find. You knock, and that door will be open. And then He goes on to say, He says, you know, if you as sinful parents know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And I believe that God wants to pour out more of the Holy Spirit on our life. Have you fully received everything God wants to give you today? I want to close our time in prayer and while every head bows we close our eyes there's a few questions I'll have for you as this time of response is here. First things first to receive the Holy Spirit in this manner you must have a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And if you're sitting here today and you know you need to get your life right with God I encourage you to do so. 
Just simply ask him in your heart to say, Jesus, today I want to become a follower of you. So I ask for forgiveness of my sin. I ask that you would come and give me purpose in my life. Come and be my Savior and help me to live for you. Now with every head bowed and eye closed, if you just prayed to receive Christ in your life, will you just lift your hand for me this morning? Just say, Pastor Russ, that was me. I see your hands. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. I see it. Thank you. I received Jesus Christ to be my Savior. I have decided to follow Jesus. Thank you. Why don't you look up at me for a second? The last thing we're going to do is I'm going to just have an invitation that if you want to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I'm just going to ask you to stand here in a moment. But I want to be very clear about something. Sometimes people think that if you're going to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you have to speak in tongues. And some people believe you don't have to speak in tongues. And I'm here to tell you, let's just let God do whatever he wants to do. Let's just be people who respond to this and say, I want this baptism in my life. I recognize that it's biblical and that Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And I want to receive that. That's all we're going to do is just respond to that and say, Jesus, I want to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. This happened for the early church, the believers in Acts. It happened for Dwight Moody and Dr. Peter Lord. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of people that I know and some in this church who have also received this. This is not cuckoo stuff. This is God wanting to encounter you in your life. And so if you've not received that, if you've not asked for that, and there's just something in you right now that says, I want that in my life. I want that empowerment to serve Jesus Christ. I want that baptism in the Holy Spirit. Will you just simply stand right now, right where you're at, and say, I want this in my life. Thank you. Don't be ashamed. And if you're sitting there, you know, I'm not sure about this right now, I just encourage you, let's talk more. Take those verses home with you, study them, and you can, do, you can ask for this at home. It doesn't have to be right here, right now. So for those that are standing, we're just going to go in a time of prayer right now. Let's all close our eyes and pray. Just put your hands out like you're in a receiving mode. Just, God, I'm receiving. Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you're doing in the hearts of each person here. And Father, we ask for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit over those listening today. And Jesus, we ask that you would come and you would baptize those who are standing in the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, empower them to live for Jesus. Empower them to tell others about Jesus. And empower them to live in victory. And we thank you for this. Fill them, Lord, overflowing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I pray that God would just continue to stir in you. And again, if you have more questions about this particular topic, I'd be happy to talk with you. 
And I'd be happy to walk through maybe what, what you feel that maybe the Lord's put in your heart. Or maybe how the Lord spoke to you today. But thank you for those who were, who were willing to say, I want this in my life. Thank you. So would you lift your hands as we close with the blessing today? Father, we thank you so much for this incredible time that we got to spend together together as a body of Christ. And we just thank you now for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Help us to live for you, to serve you, to love you, and to love other people, and to serve other people. And we ask, Father, that you would just cause your face to shine down upon these people so that we can be a blessing to those who need you. And, Lord, we thank you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Bless you.